Hello everyone. Hey, I'm so glad you joined me today and uh, I just want to say thank you for for watching me as I teach the Word of God with you every week. Uh, you know, much to my amazement, we have uh, many people watching uh, throughout the United States and even from around the world and it's just uh, it's just a privilege and an honor for me to be able to share the Word of God with you. So just thank you for, for watching and uh, and I just trust that I've been able to be a blessing to you in some way by sharing the Word of God with you. So uh, it's just, again, an honor to be able to, 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 to teach you the Word of God. So, hey, let's get right into the Word of God. Um, over the last several weeks, I taught uh, a series on the spirit realm and uh, had so much to say about, about, about that subject. And if you missed any of that, I want to uh, invite you to go back into our archives and catch up on, on anything that you missed. We talked about God. He is a spirit being, you know, and we talked about man being, you know, human beings being spirit beings who possess souls, live in physical bodies. And then I talked about uh, the holy angels of God. Thank God for the holy angels of God who are ministering spirits sent forth to minister, you know, for those who be heirs of salvation. And then uh, talked about... Uh, you know, the cherubim, the seraphim, and all, all the different holy angels. And then talked about Lucifer, who uh, was a cherubim, but he fell and became Satan, a fallen angel. And he uh, led a third of the uh, angels with him in his rebellion against God. And so then we spent some time talking about the fallen angels and then and then demons. And, and, and we talked about, you know, the, the difference between fallen angels and demons, at least as I see it from the word of God. And uh, and then I spent several weeks on on the subject of, of demons. And remember, I spend most of my time talking about the Lord. But if we never talk about the devil, the Bible says to be ignorant of the devil means that uh, and his devices means that he can take advantage of us. So uh, from time to time, we need to talk about the devil and demons to understand how they operate and so on and so forth. And one of the things I brought out in the uh in that series that I just concluded is that the Lord Jesus gave us authority over the devil and demons. And thank God for that. That's, that's exciting. Uh, and, uh, but what I want to do now today and probably next, next, uh, time for the next two, two sessions, I want to talk to you about realms of authority. You know, uh, the Lord Jesus gave us authority over the devil and demons, as I've said, but as I've, as I've studied it over the years, as I've lived life as a Christian, and, and again, as I've studied the Word of God, I've come to see that, that there are certain realms in which uh, we have authority and certain realms in which we don't. So that's what I want to talk about today and, and, and uh, probably, probably be a two-part series, start today and finish up next week on it. Um, but... Um, it, you know, if you would, just by way of review, but I think it's good to review. Repetition is the seed of learning. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, Jesus said after he was raised from the dead, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then if you pick up in Mark's account of that, then he says in Mark 16, verse 15, he says, go in, he said to his disciples, those who believe on him, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every person. And then verse 17, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. 
And then in verse 18, uh, the last part of that verse says, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So we have, we have it here. We see it right in the word of God that Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, you know, and uh, the Bible says he spoiled principalities and powers and he brought demonic power and the devil and demons. He stripped them of their authority and, and, and all of that. And we talked about that at great length in that last series that I just concluded. But he, he came out of the tomb on resurrection morn and said, you know, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Then he delegates that authority over to his uh, disciples who are a representative group of you and me as believers on the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the same authority that the, uh, <laughs> that, that, uh, the believers that he told that to after he was raised from the dead. We're part of the same body of Christ that they are as believers in the Lord Jesus. So we have authority. Thank God for it. And, uh, and we're supposed to use that authority to, by what Jesus said here in Mark 16, to cast out demons. You know, again, as I said in that series, we don't go out looking for the devil and demons, but when they rear their ugly head, then we have authority over them to, to, to cast them out and so on and so forth. And then, of course, to lay hands on the sick. You know, sickness is not of God. Sickness is of the devil and, 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 and of demons and demonic power. That's what's behind sickness and disease. And so we have authority over the devil, over demons, over sickness and disease as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ in his name, the name of Jesus, to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I've done that over the years and seen multitudes of people healed miraculously by the power of Almighty God. So, and these signs should follow those who believe. And uh, and then and then if you go to 1 Peter 5, verse 8, 1 Peter 5, verse 8, uh, the Bible says here, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. See, we have to be one of those people whom he can't devour. Because he is, a, he is an adversary. He's defeated. Jesus defeated the devil when he was raised from the dead and, and, and stripped him, you know, of, of, of authority and all of that. The authority that the devil got from Adam in the Garden of Eden. Okay. Uh, God gave the authority uh, to this planet over to, to Adam. Adam then gave it to the devil. And then Jesus came and got it back. And, and the Bible says that he brought, you know, he spoiled principalities and powers and all of that when he was raised from the dead, as I already said, gave us that authority. So, so the devil, though he's defeated, the Bible still calls him an adversary. And it says that we're supposed to be sober. We're supposed to be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion Seeking whom he may devour. One, one translation says it this way, seeking those who will give him permission to devour them. Well, I don't want to give the devil permission to devour me. But you see, if we're ignorant of his devices, the Bible says that he can take advantage of us. And sad to say so many Christians are ignorant, are un, ignorant means unlearned of how the devil operates. And, and most Christians that I've dealt with, really, they don't understand that they have, they don't even know they have authority over the devil. 
They don't know that they have authority over demons. They don't know they have authority over sickness and disease. And so the devil comes along and remember what the Bible says in the Old Testament. God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If you don't know that you have authority over the devil in Jesus name, then when he comes along, he can come along like a roaring lion and just absolutely devour you and yours your household and all of that. And it, it, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't have to be so. He seeks those whom he may devour. So, so let's learn some things about our authority, the authority we have in Jesus' name, and let's use that authority to, uh, to resist the devil. Verse 9 says that we're supposed to resist him, resist him, resist the devil, steadfast in the faith. And so we, we need to realize we have authority over him. And when he comes about like a roaring lion, we're supposed to resist him in the name of Jesus and, and, and in faith, you see. But again, most Christians, unfortunately, don't realize that. But then here's the, here's the thing that I want to get into in this series because we reviewed most, we talked about most of that in that, in that last series. I'm just kind of reviewing, but, but here's the thing. As I said, most Christians don't realize they have authority over the devil. Sad to say, but those who do now listen carefully, because this, this sets it up for this, this series I want to talk about. Those who do realize, I'm talking about those Christians who do realize they have authority over the devil. So many times I've watched them resist the devil and resist sickness, resist disease or whatever. And uh, it, it, it doesn't, it, it, it just stays there. It doesn't go anywhere. No results. And that's what I want to talk about here in this series. See, so many Christians that, that, like I said again, most of them don't realize they do have authority over the devil, but those who do, when they do resist him, nothing ever happens. They don't get any results because they themselves um, have disqualified themselves from having success in resisting the devil. That's what this, this, is, this series is about realms of authority. We have authority in Jesus' name, but that authority, there, there's certain conditions that must be met for us to be able to exercise that authority and have success or see results. And so many Christians that do realize they have authority over the devil, they, they disqualify themselves from using that authority successfully because, well, Sometimes they just don't realize that, that the authority that they have doesn't, doesn't work in every realm that they may be in or in every situation that, that they're in and so forth and so on. And, uh, and certain conditions must be met for this authority that we've been given to work. And that's what this, that's what I'm trying to tell you. That's what this series is, is about. Now, a good example of this, I think, is found in The Wizard of Oz. If you ever watched The Wizard of Oz, you remember in Munchkinland, all right? Remember in Munchkinland, right when it went from the black and white over to the color, okay? And Dorothy's there in Munchkinland, and she just, you know, the house just dropped on the Wicked Witch of the East. And so she's dead, 
and her feet sticking out from underneath that house. And, uh, and in the process of time, you know, uh, the wicked witch of the West shows up, you know, that, that, that flame of fire. And, and, and so there's a wicked witch of the West. And she's, of course, all angry and upset because someone has killed her sister, the wicked witch of the East. And so uh, just putting it in my own words here, the wicked witch of the West, she wants to retaliate you know, and, and, and for, you know, and get Dorothy and so forth because Dorothy's house dropped on the, on her sister. So she wants to do something right there and then to Dorothy. But the good witch of the North, Glenda, she says to the wicked witch of the West, she says, she says, you know, be gone from here. You don't, you don't have any authority here and, you know, in Munchkin land. And, and, and if you watch that, the Wicked Witch of the West said, you're right. I don't have authority here. There's nothing I can do here as long as I'm in Munchkin land. See, her authority didn't extend to Munchkin land. She could, you know, blow a, she could blow up a, you know, blow up in a flame of fire and, and shoot her mouth off. But she didn't have any authority to do anything to Dorothy in Munchkin land. Now, her sister the one that's dead under the house. Now she had authority in Munchkin land. She did, and she could exercise it there. And those Munchkins, they were afraid of her. But the wicked, that was the wicked witch of the East. And, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead. They're glad she's dead because she had, she could come in there and wreak havoc because she had authority there in Munchkin land. But her sister, the wicked witch of the West, she didn't have authority there and she knew it. And she absolutely knew it. And she couldn't deal with Dorothy right there and then. So she had to wait for her to leave Munchkin land for her to attack her later on down that yellow brick road. Well, that's, that's, that's a real good example here. See, we have to realize as Christians where we have authority, where that authority can be exercised and where it can't. And, you know, if we try to exercise our authority in areas where, uh, where, where, where we, where we don't have authority, then we don't see any results. Or we can do things to disqualify ourselves, as we'll see here in just a moment, from exercising authority and seeing the devil run off when we resist him. So I thought that was a, a good example that I think everybody can understand there with, with Munchkin Land and the Wizard of Oz. But, uh, you know, uh, another example I guess I would, would say is, if I compared my house where I live to your house where you live. Now, I think you would agree with me that, uh, let, let's just say I came over to your house, okay? And, and I started uh, saying, you know, I come into your house and I started saying, you know, I don't like where that TV's set and I want it to be moved over there. And, you know, I don't like where your refrigerator is. I want it moved over there, you know, and I don't like the way you keep your backyard. I want your yard furniture moved around. I don't like that or, or, or whatever. I don't like the color of your house. I want you to paint it something different. Well, you would, I mean, you'd probably be nice to me, but at a certain point there, you'd say, hey, well, hey, wait a minute there, Buster. You don't have authority to come over here to my house and tell me how, how, how to set things up. And the same thing's true if you came over to my house and started wanting me, you know, to do, do, you know, move stuff around the way you, well, it's not where I live. You don't have any authority where I live, no more than I have authority where you live. See? And, uh, and, and, 
you know, and, and, but, you know, that's, I think that's a really good example. I can't just come over to your house and start wielding authority. I don't have any there, you know, and, and vice versa. You can't just come over to my house and start wielding authority. You, you don't have any here. You see what I'm saying? You know, in my house. So, uh, you have to realize where you're at, what realm you're in, what situation you're in before you can, can exercise authority effectively. Um, now, you know, it'd be different if, if, you know, I gave you authority at my house, if I gave that to you, then you could come over and start, you know, start <laughs> rearranging things. Or if you gave me authority at your house, then I could come over there and start rearranging things. But unless that authority is given and we're in operating in that realm of authority, then, then, you know, it's just a problem. It's kind of like when somebody owns a house and they rent that house or lease that house out to somebody else. Okay. And if you study into the law, you will see that, that a landlord a person can own a house, but when that renter, when there's a legal document signed and that renter signs that, that lease and that renter moves into that house, I tell you what, that renter has all kinds of authority in that, uh, in, in that house. And actually, as you study into it, that renter in some ways, in many ways, has more authority while that lease is in effect has more authority in that house than the landlord does. I mean, I know of one situation where a person was, ha a landlord was having trouble with a renter and, and that landlord went over there and was, was having a, a, a heated discussion with the renter because he didn't like something or other that the renter was doing or whatnot. And the, finally the police showed up and the police told the landlord, he said, look, that renter really, you know, ha has more authority here right now since that lease is in effect than the landlord did. And that renter, actually what the renter had done was told the landlord to get off, <laughs> to get off of his property. Uh, you know, the, the, the renter told the landlord to leave the premises. Well, the landlord owns it. Yeah, but there's a lease. See, and that police officer told the landlord, he said, hey, that renter has every authority to tell you to leave the property and you have to leave it even though you own it. You know, then now in most leases, there's certain times, see, when the landlord can come there and inspect the property. But, but, you know, in the midst of a heated discussion, that renter said to the landlord, the owner, get out of here. And the policeman said that he, he had to go. See, it's all about realms of authority. We need to understand, you know, uh, where we have authority and where we don't, when we can exercise it and when we don't. And, uh, but, but it, it's so true. And you know, that, that's really, if you think about the way God set this, this, this planet up, he gave this, this lease and this, this landlord example. It's, I mean, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but he made man you know, Adam and Eve, you know, mankind, and he gave, you can see it in the book of Genesis, he gave authority to man. He absolutely did. And, uh, and, and he gave Adam essentially a lease to this planet. And then Adam, as we've already said here in this message, but it bears repetition, he gave that authority to the devil. Now you can see that legally God gave it, gave the, the lease to Adam, 
Adam then, we could say, sublet it out to the devil. And so the devil has all kinds of legal authority here. Now, yes, Jesus stripped them of that authority. See, but now if we don't know that we have authority, even see, if you really get into the study it deep and get into it. The devil still has a right to be here. He's called the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world system. He's still exercising that lease that he got that he got from Adam that Adam gave him. He's still operating in 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 that lease. And until until that lease runs out and the devil is thrown into the bottomless pit, he still goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. See, but thank God we have authority over him in the name of Jesus. And we can use that authority in as long as we're operating in the right realm and in the right circumstance and situation. I tell you what, we can we can run absolutely run the devil out. Abs- absolutely in the name of Jesus. And uh, and so. Uh, but but this lease example, I think I think it's it's you can see how it, you know this lease and rent, rental renting a house and whatnot. You can see how it, it works with the, the planet Earth. The Earth is the Lord's fullness thereof. He gave the lease to Adam. Adam gave it to the devil, and the devil has all kinds of rights here. Now Jesus stripped him, and that's good. And we have authority in the name of Jesus to run the devil out. But yet, if you don't know that authority. If you don't know you have authority, if you're not, like I said, operating in the right realm of that authority, the devil can still run roughshod here on this planet. And it's sad to say so many Christians, as I said, don't know that they have authority. And then uh, the ones that do know that they have authority don't realize the different realms that they have authority in and how uh, they can exercise it and so forth. And that's what, I'm, again, that's why I'm teaching this, this series. Now, let's move on with this. And uh, uh, I... I want you to look at James 4, verse 7, because this verse is probably the key verse, really, or one of the key verses, maybe not the, it's not the only key, but a major key to operating successfully in the authority that God has given us. This verse right here, James 4, verse 7, I mean, this is a, this is a big one right here. And uh, notice what it says. Now, now we've already read where, you know, the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in faith and all of that. We've already read that. But boy, this verse right here, I mean, if you're ever going to have any kind of, now listen carefully, if you're ever going to have any kind of success at resisting the devil and seeing him flee, I mean, I guess this is the biggest verse right here. This one right here. This is the biggest one. James 4, 7. It says this, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I have heard a lot of people over the years have said, they've, they've quoted the second half of that verse. Well, resist the devil and he'll flee. Resist the devil and he'll flee. I mean, I, mean, I, wish, I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard Christians say that. I'd have a good deal of money. Resist the devil. You'll see him flee. Resist the devil. Oh, brother, resist the devil. Resist the devil and he'll flee. You know, well, I've watched a whole lot of people over a whole lot of years resist the devil, resist sickness, resist disease, and the devil, the demons, the sickness, the disease didn't go anywhere. Nowhere. At all. 
And it's because people understand the second half of this verse, but they miss the first half. We're talking about realms of authority. What does the, to get the second half of this verse to work, you got to do the first half of it. The first half says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Then you can resist the devil and then he'll flee from you. But you see, if you're not submitted to God, then you can resist the devil, fallen angels, demons, sickness, disease all day long, and they don't have to go anywhere. Absolutely the truth. See, the first half of this verse is vital to operating successfully in the authority that God has given you in the name of Jesus. We've got to do the first half of this verse or the second half just won't work. And for decades and decades, I've watched this. And I've watched, like I said, I've watched so many people for so many years, Christians, resist the devil, resist the sickness, resist disease, and it never left. Absolutely did not leave. The, de the devil never fled. He never ran off in stark raving terror. That's really one way to translate this, resist the devil and he'll flee from you as in, as in terror. But, he, but I've watched so many people, Christians, resist the devil and resist him in Jesus' name. Absolutely. And the devil doesn't go anywhere. Now, we know there's power in the name of Jesus. Absolutely. But, but when someone uses the name of Jesus, they have to be doing the first half of this verse. They have to do it from a position of submission to God. And so many Christians just frankly are not submitted to God. So many just are not. And it's sad. And that's why they resist the devil and he doesn't go anywhere. They resist sickness and disease. It doesn't go anywhere. I heard somebody say this years ago and it's so good. And you ought to, if you're taking notes, you ought to write this down. We cannot exercise authority until we submit to authority. Now, you know, that's a good, that's a good statement. I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have coined that myself, but I didn't. Uh, I don't know who coined that, but somebody said it. But I tell you what is really, really good. We cannot exercise authority until we submit to authority. And there's a whole lot of Christians that don't want to submit to any sort of authority or there's a lot of Christians who think they're submitted to authority, but they're not. We'll see as we go. And so they resist the devil, resist the devil, resist the devil till they're blue in the face. And he just stands there and laughs at them and doesn't go anywhere. You must submit yourself to authority before you can exercise authority. You must submit yourself to God before you're able to resist the devil in the name of Jesus and see the devil flee. Now, what does the word submit mean? Well, you know, it simply means to yield to, yield to. Well, we need to yield ourselves to God. And, um, but you know, the, I mean, I, I just want to get right to the crux of the matter here on, on this. Many Christians, now I know what I'm talking about here because I've dealt with multitudes of people, Christians, like this. They will tell you, they'll say this, I, uh, Pastor, Pastor Terry, I am submitted to God. Absolutely, I am submitted to God. 
I am submitted to God. Now, I tell you, I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard somebody say that. I have a lot of money. Pastor, I'm submitted to God. Oh, yeah, I've heard multitudes of Christians say that to me. But when you get right down to it, they're not submitted to God at all. Not even close. And yet, and then they, and then they wonder why the devil never flees. Pastor, I've been resisting this sickness and disease and it hasn't fled. I know I'm submitted to God. Absolutely. Well, are you sure? Let's look and see. To be submitted to God, to be submitted to God, we must be submitted to his written word. And, and on top of that, we must be submitted to everyone that his word says we should be submitted to. Now, there's where, there's where the rub comes in. See, it's one thing to say, well, I'm submitted to God. But are you submitted to all of the people that God tells you to submit to? See, if you're not submitted to all of the people that God tells you to submit to, then ultimately you're not submitted to God. And this is really where the problem is. Is, yeah, people will say, I'm submitted to God. Well, are you submitted to all the people that God told you in his word to submit to? And, 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 there's, there's, <laughs> and, that, and there's where the problem is. See, again, it's one thing to say you're submitted to God, but are you submitted to all of the people that God said in his word you're supposed to be submitted to? And if you're not, then, then you can't exercise the authority that you have in the name of Jesus. You can resist the devil. If you're not submitted to God, he won't flee, as I've said. Now, what I want to do here is I want to take a few minutes and just uh, share with you some of the people that God tells us in his word that we're supposed to be submitted to. And I could teach, I could teach a whole series just on this, but we'll just keep it brief here. But I just want to list some of the people that God tells us in his word that we're supposed to be submitted to or yielded to. Now, you know, when I say submit, I don't mean we're supposed to be a doormat for somebody. That's not, you know, where they can wipe their feet on us and treat us like a, like a dog, you know, you know what I mean? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people we're supposed to be yielded to. See, there's a godly authority structure that God himself has set up in his word and people that we're supposed to be yielded to and people we're supposed to yield ourselves to and it's for our own protection, our own goodness, our own safety. But, but, uh, but, but, you know, uh, but, but we have to yield to these people and, uh, and, and if we're not yielded to these people, then I'm going to share this list with you here right now. If we're not yielded to these people, then, then we're not yielding ourselves ultimately to God. And then the devil doesn't have to flee when we resist him. Now, the one thing I do want to say, but again, the word submit doesn't mean we're supposed to be somebody's slave or, you know, we're supposed to let somebody just treat us, you know, like, like a piece of dirt. That's that the word submit means to yield to. Now, I do want to say this in Acts 529, Acts 529, the apostle Peter made a, a great statement. He said this and this, and, and you need to understand this before I get into this list here. We ought to, he said this, we ought to obey God rather than man. We ought to obey God rather than man. So, and this is a great safety net right here. As you live your life, and I share this list with you, if you ever are dealing with a person that God has told you to be submissive to, 
then you need to be submissive to them. If God told you to be submissive to somebody, you ought to be submissive to them. Unless that person would want you to do something that's out of line with the word of God, then you don't have to submit to them because we ought to obey God rather than man. But you see, if somebody's really working within the, the godly structure of God's word, you know, and, and God tells you to submit to, to somebody, if that person you're submitted to, supposed to be submitted to, is really flowing with the Holy Spirit, they'll never ask you to violate the word of God. But, but this is a great safety net because when you start talking about submission, there's just a real fine line between godly submission and getting over in where somebody becomes very authoritarian and just starts running, running your life. There, there's a, there, there's a, there's a real fine line there. And so don't misunderstand me. We're not, not ever supposed to be where we're subservient to somebody and they're just running our lives. That's not what we're talking about here. What I'm talking about is being submissive, yielding yourself to people who God has put you under, uh, under their authority. And, but, but if those people would ever tell you to do something, because they're human, they, you know, they're human, they can make mistakes. If somebody ever told you to do something outside of the word of God, out of line with the word of God, then you, you shouldn't obey that person. You should obey the word of God, obey God rather than man. But again, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. Submission, see that submission has really got a bad rap if you've studied into the subject at all over the years it, because so many have taken it and I, I've watched some pastors take it and, and they, they lord it over their con, congregations and, uh, and, and that's unfortunate, that's sad. That's not what I'm talking about here. But if we want to exercise authority over the devil successfully, we need to understand that we must be submitted to the people that God has put over us. So let me get, get into this list here. And you can turn to the book of Ephesians. In the Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the 21st verse says that we ought to be submissive one to another. So, you know, doesn't the Bible talk about preferring your brother? You know, we should, be, we should have a, a, a submissiveness uh, 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 to one another as, as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians, there should be an attitude, a, a yieldedness about us to one another. You see, and uh, and that needs to be in the body of Christ where we're submitted one to another, that we're 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 uh, we don't always have to have it our way, you know, that we're willing to be submissive to someone else's what, you know, someone else's thoughts and views as long as they're in line with the Bible. So we should have an attitude of submission and yieldedness about ourselves to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. See, if we don't have that about us, that attitude about us, then we're not submitted to God. You understand that? Now, here's another one. Ephesians 5, verses 22, 23. You can read that, and the essence of that is, is wives are supposed to be submissive to their husbands. Now, now that's usually the one and the only one that gets centered in on when the word submission comes up. If you've ever, ever heard people teach on submission, a lot of times they'll just center in on this right here. You know, wives, submit to your, you know, submit, uh, submit to your husbands. Well, why don't we start it off with Ephesians 5.21? Let's don't start in verse 22. Let's start in verse 21 where it says we ought to be submissive to one another. So a wife should have a submissiveness about herself to her husband, and, and the husband ought to have a submissiveness about himself to his wife. See, talking about attitude here. Husbands shouldn't be the Lord and the master of the house. You know what I mean? Like a dictator, you know. 
But the husband is the head of the wife. The Bible is very clear on that. And he is the head of the house. Absolutely. But, but in that, then that's the way God set it up. And in that, you see where wives are supposed to be yielded to their husbands. They're not supposed to be doormats for their husbands. They're supposed to be yielded to their husbands. And so here's one. Here, I just take a few minutes on this one. Pastoring a long time, long time. I've been pastoring a long time, three over three decades, more or less. And, and, and I can't tell you how many, again, I wish I had that dollar for every time I, I'd be a, I'd have a lot of money if I had a dollar on this one. For every time I have seen a situation, I'm talking Christians, born again, spirit filled, okay, where the wife is not submitted to her husband at all. At all. A T capital. A T capital A L L. Not at all. And 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 I mean I, I got a lot of experience to draw on, on this. And I have seen I, I have seen uh, how do I want to say this and and I I don't know I I would say if I had to per, put a percentage on it, I would say 80 to 90% of wives are not, A-R-E-N-O-T, are not submitted to their husbands. They're just not. And, uh, and, and, and I, I watch this, and I've even seen some ladies who uh, are, you know, they, they, they think they're prayer warriors. And, uh, and I'm all for women in the body of Christ, in the ministry, and women exercising their authority. I'm all for that. I, I, I'm all for women preachers. I'm, the Bible, I could take a couple hours and show you that that's fine to have women preachers. I'm all, not against that at all. Not against women at all. I'm all for women. Absolutely. My wife teaches every Wednesday night, does an excellent job, excellent minister of the gospel. But, uh, but I've watched women who will say they're prayer warriors, you know, great intercessors. And thank God for prayer warriors. Thank God for intercessors. But I tell you what, I, I've watched so many of them. And they're rebuking the devil, resisting the devil, never seen the devil go anywhere. And you know why that is? Because... They're not submitted to their husband. And I'll tell you what, if a wife is not submitted to her husband, then she's not submitted to God. Now, I didn't say her husband was God, but what I am saying is that God said that a wife ought to be submitted to her husband. That's what God said. And so if a wife isn't submitted to her husband, then indirectly she's not submitted to God because God told her to submit to her husband, and therefore she can resist the devil. He's not going to flee. But I tell you what, I, I, I can't overemphasize this enough how many... Now, now that you, I have seen some wives over the years, absolutely, that are submitted in godly submission to their husbands, and thank God for it. But I'd say 80 to 90% of them that I've dealt with, and multitudes of them just aren't. 
And, uh, and I'll just say this, a lot of husbands are afraid, scared to death of their wives. And, and, you know, isn't that, isn't that sad? And it's in the wives just run the household, run the husband. And, uh, I've watched some wives talk to their husbands, like the husband, just like he's a dog and dirt, just, and the husband just stands there and takes it just anyway. So you want to have authority ladies out there. If you want to have authority, Hey, I'm talking about married women. You've got to be submissive to your husband. Absolutely. Now, let's get on the other side of that coin. Okay? Because you see, the women usually take a walloping on this subject. But let's go over and talk about men. Now, let's talk about men. Because if you keep on reading here, in verse 25, Ephesians 5, 25, says that a husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. You see, now... A husband has to love his wife as Christ loved the church. Now, I can't think of any godly woman that if she had a husband that was loving her as Christ loved the church, I can't think of any any godly woman that would have a problem submitting to that kind of a husband. You know, uh, you know, and I'll say this. If a husband is not loving his wife as Christ loved the church, what did the Bible say? Christ laid down his life for the church. So if a husband's not loving his wife and willing to lay down his life for her like Jesus did for the church, then he's not submitted to God and he can resist the devil till he's blue in the face and the devil won't go anywhere. Now, you know, I've, I've seen this too. I've seen a lot of situations where the husband has not loved his wife as he should. And that is very unfortunate. I remember, and frankly, there's a lot of husbands that do not stand up. Because I've been doing this a long time and I wish I had a dollar for every one of these too. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have a lot of money. Well, I have a lot of money today if I had a dollar for everything I'm talking about. But, uh, I've seen so many cases where the, hus- the husband does not stand up lovingly in the godly authority and, 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 and that God's given him and has been the leader of the household. And in fairness to the wife, you know, he hasn't been doing his job, the husband, so the wife has to, has to, has to do it. And that's very sad. And so he is not giving his wife anything to submit to. I, I, I heard somebody say this one time, just telling this story how a husband slammed his hand down on the table and said to his wife, woman, submit to me. And she said, well, I would if you gave me something to submit to. Now, you know, now that's now truer words were never spoken. See, so a husband needs to be a, a, a godly man who stands in loving, godly authority, not as a dictator, but as a, as a strong, loving head of the household. And, and if he's not doing that, then he's not being submitted to God. See, and a husband that says, all right, woman, submit to me. See, that's not, that's not what God's, that's not the kind of authority that God's talking about in his word. God's talking about a man that stands up in, in, in godly authority and, and loves his wife and is willing to lay down his life for her and treats her 
uh, as not that she is the weaker vessel, but treats her as the weaker vessel and loves her and cares for her and, and is kind to her and, and compassionate to her, you know, and stands as the head of the household. And I tell you what, a, a, a godly wife will get right. Actually, a woman is really a godly woman. A godly Christian is looking for that kind of a man to get behind and, 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 and submit to him. I tell you what, you get that kind of thing going on between a husband and a wife. They come together, resist the devil, and put the devil on the run. Absolutely. But unfortunately, I haven't seen a lot of that work that way over the years. You know, it's it's typically the husband's not standing up in love, doing what he's supposed to be doing as the head of the house and all of that. And then, and then, uh, uh, and then, and, and frankly, I, I did see one, one situation, well, I saw many over the years, but one situation where I did see a man that he tried to stand up in, in the godly authority and in love, and his wife was having nothing to do with it. She, I mean, she was running her way. It was her way or the highway. And, and you know, I mean, but the thing of it is, see, people think they're submitted to God. They think they're submitted to God, but if you're not submitted to the people that God tells us to submit to, then then we're not ultimately submitted to God and the devil doesn't have to flee. And we could read on here that children are supposed to be submissive to their parents, but yet parents are supposed to love their children and train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, here's a big one. Employees and employers. Wow. See, employees need to be submitted to their employer. And here again, if I had a dollar for every one of these, I have seen many people over the years, they come in, you know, they'll grump, come into the church grumbling about their boss. Well, he told me to do this. He told me to do that. He told me to do this. Or she told me to do this. She told me to do that. She told me. And I, blah, 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 blah. Well, see, oh, and then you'll ask that same person, are you, are you submitted to God? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm submitted to God, Pastor Terry. Are you submitted to your boss at work? Well, see, there you have it. So that person, they think they're submitted to God, but they're not because they're not submitted to their boss at work. See, the Bible says to submit to your employer. Yet the Bible, that same Bible, if you read on, says that that employer is supposed to love their employee and treat them right. So if you're out there and you're an employee, if you're an employee and you're grumbling about your boss and not doing what he said, you're not submitted to God. Because God told you to submit to that employer. But if you're out there as an employer and you're treating your, your, your staff and the people under you like dirt, you need to repent because you're not submitted to God either because God told you to love those people that are under you and treat them right. See, so we get, if we could just get this stuff running the way God wants it to run, we could resist the devil and he'll flee. But again, so many people will say, yeah, I'm submitted to God. But are you submitted to your employer? Are you talking bad about them behind their back, grumbling about everything? Huh? Yeah, I'm submitted to God, Pastor Terry. Are you submitted to your employer? Huh? And hey, employer, are, uh, yeah, I'm submitted to God. Are you treating your employees right? See? This works both ways. And then, of course, the Bible, if you go over to Romans, the 13th chapter, and read the first seven verses, we see there that we as Christians are sub supposed to be submitted to our civil leaders and, and our, and our gover governmental authority. 
And if we're not, we're in violation of the word of God. And, uh, you know, you know, I'll tell you what, uh, I, I've watched folks over the years, you know, say, uh, well, I'm submitted to God. But are you submitted to what the government's asking you to do? It's like when COVID came up. All right. The government asked us to shut down for a few months. Okay. And so, the, look, they were not just shutting down churches, all right? At least not here in the Fenton area, St. Louis area. They were shutting down everything across the board, across the board for a period of time. Everything that I saw that they were asking us to do appeared to be reasonable, okay? Now, if they were just shutting down churches and everything else was going to be opened, I would have, I would, because what does the Bible say? We already said it. We ought to obey God rather than man, okay? So if the government ever asks us to do something that violates the word of God, we should not listen to the government. We should listen to what God says if the government asks us to do something out of line with the word of God. Now, that's very clear. I think that's reasonable. If the government said, if the government would have said, hey, we're just shutting down churches, but everything else is open, I would have not done that. I would have just... I would have obeyed God and kept right on going. But they, they said to us, let, you know, shut it down for a period of time. And, and the implication was this is going to pass and then we'll open you back up. And that's what happened. Okay. But so I tried to obey and did obey the governmental rule. So you see, in doing that, I was submitted to godly authority. Okay. But some churches say, well, we're just, just not going to shut down. And, you know, well, the government was making a reasonable request. I don't see that it was out of line with the word of God. And, um, and so I submitted to that authority, that governmental authority based on Romans, the 13th chapter, first seven verses, you know? So, you know, was I submitted? See, in submitting to the governmental authority, I was submitting to God. So I have authority when the devil rears his ugly head, I can resist him. Now, I know a lot of people would disagree with what I just said there. But again, was the uh, request on that, I'm just using COVID as an example because I think it's a good example. It's something we can all understand. Uh, were they making a reasonable request? Now, if they'd asked me to do something that was totally out of line with the Word of God, I wouldn't have done it. But that didn't seem to be violating the Word of God at all. It seemed reasonable. It was for health purposes, you know, and so on and so forth. And so we, we submitted to that godly authority. How bad do you want the devil to run off when you resist him? Hmm? Well, you think about that. And then the Bible goes on and talk about elders. Younger, is, younger folk are supposed to be submitted to their elders and younger to elders. And much we could say about that. I want to cl close this message up, but here's another one. In Hebrews 13, verses 7 and 17, and 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12, the Bible says that a, uh, a Christian is supposed to be submitted to their pastor, to pastoral authority. And we'll, we'll close with this right here. That a Christian is supposed to be submitted to their pastor and pastoral authority. Now, again, this is not the pastor being a dictator and the Lord and the master and running, you know, running a congregation like a dictator. No, no, no. But God has set godly men and women 
over congregations to, to watch for their souls and to pray for them and love them and be there for them. But God has also given those pastors, you know, I'm a pastor and, uh, uh, uh he's given pastors authority over their flock, over their congregations, not to lord it over them, but to love them and nurture them in the faith. And the Bible says that people that attend a church are supposed to be submitted to that pastoral authority. And uh, now I will say that uh, over the years, I had many people that, that really submitted to uh, to, to, to me as their pastor. I always said this way. I said, Hey, don't submit to me as a man, but submit to me, su- submit to the word of God that I preach. And I tell you what, nobody really ever had a problem with that. And, and I had so many that were submitted to my authority and, and, uh, and that was, that, that was very good. But I tell you what, I had some people over the years that they just, they weren't going to submit they weren't going to submit to me and it wasn't just me. They, if you check into them, they've been to every church in town. They're not submitted to any pastor and they're not going to be. And, uh, and they're just, <laughs> they're just not going to submit to anything or anybody. And, uh, but if you're not submitted to your pastor and p- good pastoral authority, spiritual leadership, then you're not submitted to God because God tells you to submit to your to your pastor and your pastoral authority and leadership at the church, you know, the eldership or whatever. And if you're not submitted to that, then you're not submitted to God because God told you to be submitted to that. Okay. Now, let me leave you with this. The true test of submission, the true test of submission, we don't, is this, it's disagreement. You say, what? What are you talking about? What are you talking about, pastor? It's disagreement. Okay, here's what I mean. Everybody can be submitted when uh, to somebody when when that somebody that you're under is telling you everything you want to hear. Absolutely. Everybody can be submitted when when the person in authority is telling them what they want to hear and that person in you know under that authority is being told what they want to hear. They can, you know, a person like that they can follow anybody as long as the person in authority is telling them things they want to hear. But when that person in authority says, nope, we're not going to go this way, we're going to go that way. We're not going to do this, we're going to do that. Now, the person in authority is not violating the scripture, but we've made a decision, we're going to go this way, okay? And, <laughs> and, and, and that person, you know, as a pastor, you know, I've, I've had to make those calls over the years where I wasn't doing anything that was violating the word of God, but I, I said, all right, we're going to do this or we're going to do it this way. We're going to do it that way. Now, as long as everybody's agreeing with me, that's fine. But if I make a decision that people don't agree with, now we're going to find out, and this is the only place you can really ultimately find it out. We're going to find out if that person is really submissive and submitted, submitted if when they don't agree with a call that's being made by someone over them, if they don't agree with that, are they submitted or not? Are they going to say, well, you know, I don't, I, I don't agree with this, but I'm going to be submissive and I'm going to run with it. I like what a man told me years ago, Paul Fonts, great man. He's in heaven now. He sat in my office. He said, let me tell you something. He said, when we get behind closed doors here, you and me, he said, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. 
He said, if I disagree with you, I'll come back here in the office and I'll tell you exactly what I think. He was an older gentleman. And he did. But he says, as long as you don't violate the word of God, he said, whatever call you make, when we walk out of this office, I'm going to submit to you 100%. And you know what he did. What a blessing he was. My goodness gracious. And I tell you what, that man could resist the devil and the devil was afraid of him. Absolutely. But you don't find out. And he disagreed with me on some stuff. But when we went out, out of that, not on the, you know, not on anything, you know, you know, what I'm talking about any major biblical thing or any, you know, it was all in line with the word of God. But, you know, I said, well, we're going to do this or we're going to paint the, we're going to paint the wall this color instead of that. You know, he, I'm using this as an example. He might come in and say, well, I don't agree with that color. But, uh, example here. I don't agree with that color. You know, there's churches been busted up over wall colors. Did you know that? Because half the congregation wanted it blue and half the congregation wanted, wanted gray. <laughs> you know what I mean? But anyway, but, but he, he'd tell me, he'd say, whatever it is, you know, I, I don't agree with that color or whatever it was, you know, but he said, you know, it's not in violation of the word of God. I can't see in the word of God where the Bible tells us what color to paint the walls. <laughs> anyway, of a church. But, He's, and when we'd walk out of that office, he told me what he thought. We walk out of that office and man, he was that man. He submitted to what I wanted done. Absolutely. He did. And, uh, uh, and he had authority. I tell you, he had authority over the devil because he was submitted to me as his pastor. Therefore, he was submitted to who God told him to be submitted to. So he was submitted to God so he could resist the devil and the devil would flee. But you see, uh, you know, we don't find out if you're submitted until you disagree with somebody, until you disagree with somebody that's over you. And as long as they're not telling you to do something out of line with the word of God, you need to yield to them and go along with it, even though you disagree with it. And, and then I'll go a step further like Paul Fonts. You don't go out and say, well, you know, and tell everybody, well, I don't agree with what he's doing, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. I mean, this is a bad attitude. You're not really submitted there. You're, you know, you're just, you got a bad attitude, okay? You're not submitted. Now, somebody's really submitted, you might disagree, but I tell you what, and, and like Paul, perfect example. He, he'd tell me what he thought privately, but then we'd leave that office, and he was behind me 110%, never grumbled or complained to anybody about it, went right on down the road. And, but it's when you disagree. When you disagree with the person over you, that's when you find out if you're going to submit or not. How bad do you want the devil to run off when you resist him? Now, here's something else that's got to be said right here. When this COVID thing was going on, I had people, uh, some people in my church, that I made a decision, okay, I made a decision to follow the governmental rule and let's, let's close down when we went to online services. You know, we have online services now. We did that. And that was something good that came out of, of COVID. But, you know, we get able to reach more people on, on, online and whatnot. But, 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 but COVID was a bad thing. But I had some, some people that I, I said, I said, look, we need to follow the governmental rule. It's reasonable. Let's close down for a, a period of time and then we'll reopen. And then the masks. And I said, you know, people that are in, in author, uh, people that are volunteering here at the church, they need to wear masks, you know, and, and, but if, if you're not volunteering, you don't have to. And I tried to strike a, a medium ground there and what was reasonable and fair in line with the, with the, the medical rules that were put out by the government and all that. I did my best, but I had some people, they, they came and they, 
they well, they didn't come to me. They communicated on email or whatever. They said, we will not do what you say. We will not. No, we're not doing that. We're not. We're not. You know, we don't agree with closing down the church for for a short, even a short time. And we and, and we're not wearing a mask and we're not doing any of that. Blah, blah, blah. On they went. Well, in a nutshell, and, and, the, and these people tell you, oh, we're submitted to God. No, they're not. Because it has nothing to do with me. It had to do with the authority that I was in. They would not submit to the authority that the Lord gave me. And so they can call me pastor all they want. But if you're not submitted to my authority, they weren't submitted to my authority. And the reasonable call I made. And so see, they disagreed. They disagreed. And we found out real fast they weren't submitted to me. And guess what? They weren't submitted to God. Now, these people will tell you they're submitted to God, but they're not. Because God told them to submit to their pastor, and they didn't. Not that I'm God, no, but God put me in a position of authority. And when they wouldn't submit to me, then the way God looks at that, not submitting to him. So uh, they can resist the devil all they want. He's not going anywhere. Hope you got something out of this today. Hope it was a blessing to you. And this is part one. You see, there's we have authority in the name of Jesus, but we have to understand the realms of that authority. We have to understand that we have to meet some qualifications before we can exercise that authority effectively. So next week, I'm going to pick up with this, and I think it's going to get even more interesting as we look at you know these different realms where we have authority and where we can exercise it and where we can't. I think it's going to be very, very interesting. And so we'll pick up right here next week. Hey, if you're out there and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, hey, repent of your sins. Turn from your old life. Turn to Jesus. Call on his name. Receive him as your Savior. You'll miss hell one day. You'll make heaven. And and he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. So, hey, God bless you. And I'll look forward to seeing you here again next week. Bye-bye.